storygoers, and welcome back to another episode of Tales in the Cartridge, the video game storytelling podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Eric Penrod. And I will be other co-host, Ryan Bauer. Ryan, I don't know about you, but I am exhausted today. <laughs> how, how are you, and what games have you been playing? Uh, I am also exhausted. I was, I was a little under the weather <laughs> last week, but I'm, I'm recovering oh, no. and feeling, feeling better now, and then work Good. has just been, as always, buck wild. Um, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. As far as I've been playing, I've been playing quite a bit of Valheim, um, building up some mm-hmm. big, beautiful homes um, <laughs> in Valheim. Um, just recently got we got the swamp, which you had to get iron, which was just the worst. Um, but that's okay. We got it, and we, we loaded it all on our ship and had to sail it back, and a sea serpent attacked us, but everything is fine. <laughs> we made it back safely. Um, so that was a fun experience. Um, I just, like last night, we started. I started a... Um, 1.5 Stardew Valley co-op, couch co-op farm with my partner because it's it's co-op on Switch now. Um, cool. So we get a farm together, which is really exciting. Um, and then a little bit of oxygen not included when I wasn't feeling well. Mm-hmm. And I went back and I repeated after playing the 2016 Ratchet and Clank. So many things. I had a lot of time because I was sick. Um, <laughs> after playing the 2016 Ratchet and Clank remake that was, okay, now free to everybody. Yeah. Um, if you're interested in checking it out, please do. But also... I went back and I played the most recent in Ratchet and Clank, which which will be th- what this newest one will be an extension of to some extent. Mm-hmm. And it was really fun. It was really fun. And like Ratchet isn't as different as the 2016 version, but he still like is this kind of happy medium of of hero, but kind of also like kind of won't take any nonsense and will give it back if you give it and is kind of sarcastic, but like not in a complete dick type of way. And the gameplay <laughs> was really fun. Um, and it was just, it was just a, a fun romp. And I kind of like dived back into that story a little bit. So that was exciting. But yeah, that's, that's what I've been, that's what I've been playing. Awesome. That's so cool. I, w- I really want to play it. Now that the game is free, I was actually going to buy Ratchet and Clank and then you told, you texted me and said, yeah, the game's going to be free. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, this is perfect. Yeah, I'll wait. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I cannot wait to dive into that game. I feel it's going to inspire me to get Rift in Time. and Yeah, Rift in Time was very good. And and actually, like if you're, if you're, if you're listening to the Ratchet and Clank episode and you're thinking of going back, actually the most critically acclaimed is the second one, Going Commando. But the, oh. the future series is all really good. Um, the, the Rift in Time... And um, is Rift in Time the newest one coming? No, out? the newest one is Rift Apart. But there is a oh. there's like a, a Rift. There's one that's called like a Rift in Time, and then the one that's called the yeah. But um, they're all very good. Um, the future series was was just really fun. That's the newest that this is a continuation of. But I'm just speaking nonsense okay. to everyone right now. When we will <laughs> maybe um, make sense of it later. But uh, yeah. yeah, please check it out. It's the the new the 2016 game. It's fun. It is good. It is like. Good Ratchet and Clank gameplay, but the story stuff is not as good as it was back in the day. So just keep that in mind. If you're like, eh, this seems kind of silly. They took, they they really kind of, I don't know what the right word is. They made it more accessible to a wider audience. I'll say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like sometimes that's necessary for a, a series to survive. And I know a lot of people don't like the idea of that. Mm-hmm. But I, I mean, I think it happens a lot in like fighting games, especially. Mm-hmm. People try, uh, developers try to accommodate for a larger audience because they need those game sales. Mm-hmm. Um I think a necessary evil for a, a series to survive at this point, which it sucks, but you know it is what yeah. it is. But yeah, check it out, have fun with it, and I'll, I'm interested to hear what what you think. Yeah, yeah, I, I really need to play it. How are you, and what have you been playing? 
I, I, I just came off on probably the worst day I've had at work so far. Um, I, I'll, every day of the day has been really bad. Today was just like, it, I felt like I was getting punked. You know, I, 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 I started the day my car was dead because of the cold. I was like, okay, well, this sucks. Um, so I had to Uber to work, and that was fine. I just, I had carried all my clothes out because I would do laundry after work. So I had my clothes outside, and my car was dead. So I had to bring my clothes back inside. Got to work. I work at a behavioral special like needs school as a therapist and for i don't know what they put in the kool-aid today but it was just going off uh so i stayed i had to stay late and then i had to uber home and the person driving the uber was blasting chris brown and i hate chris brown because he he's not a good person to women uh so it was just like i i just thought someone was playing a huge trick on me (laughs) But it's over. I'm, I'm here uh, sitting with my good friend Ryan, and we're talking about video games. And this is great. <laughs> so I, the day's coming around now. It's never good. too late. Um, as for games, I haven't really been playing a whole lot. Still playing a lot of Apex Legends. I was playing a little bit of Valheim with you guys. I, I fell off the wagon a little bit, but I'd like to that's jump okay. back on That's okay. That's all right. You've got, you've got some things going on, so you, that's, that is okay. You had, a busy, you had a busy weekend. Yeah, it's been kind of a crazy weekend. But uh, So yeah, I'd like to get back into Valheim because it is a lot of fun. I think I, I wish I had gotten in it earlier because I think I, I kind of was jumping into your guys' plans already that was being done, so it was kind of hard to like do that, but I just need to. I think I need to stick with it more and I... It, I would get into it more. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, Valheim and Apex, and that's basically been it. I've been kind of, like I said, I, think I said this last episode, I've just been craving a single-player game, and, and I think Ratchet & Clank will be that game. They also want to jump into God of War 2 because of that, that upgrade that we talked about last week, too. Yeah. That 4K upgrade, which sounds so nice. Also, I want to touch on the, the fact that the Sony State of Play happened, um, and I don't know. I was actually going to ask you. I meant to ask you, Ryan. What did you think? Because I was a little let down by it. Yeah, there wasn't. There was. There was a couple things that were interesting, but nothing. Nothing huge that I was. I was really excited for. I actually, I didn't even tune in because I was playing Wilhelm. I didn't even tune in the day <laughs> of. And then I was like, I'm, I'm just going to because my partner was hoping to see it too. So we were going to like after dinner go and watch it. And we watched almost all of it, and the stuff was like, there was more new things than in other recent similar experiences, but like for for a direct, there just wasn't anything, like I was hoping for some new announcements or some new exciting things, because honestly, like, uh, I want a PS5, but mostly just at this point to play Ratchet and Clank, um, (laughs) because there just isn't, I mean, there's other good stuff out there, like you've talked about Miles Morales is really good, and obviously the remake of God of War is good, but like... There's just not... Cat Backpack isn't coming out anytime soon. Sorry, my partner just yelled Cat Backpack, which is the stray <laughs> is cat one? game. Yeah, yeah which, which does look very good, but she's very excited about. But um, yeah, they haven't. They just haven't shown any of that cool stuff that they were kind of hinting at, at when they did like the PS5 over, was it last summer? But yeah, no, it wasn't. wasn't yeah, yeah. Sure. And then there was the, the Final Fantasy stuff, which I just have never been super into Final Fantasy, so it wasn't as meaningful for me. But what about you? Yeah, I was... I was a little disappointed. I was expecting more announcements. I was expecting. I was really. I. I, I was wishful thinking with God of War. I didn't think it actually yeah. see anything. Um, but I thought, for some reason, I thought Sifu looked really good. And yeah, Sifu. I cool. need to see more. Yeah, the idea of it. I. I've, ever since Hades, which we is our, you know, our, our, our favorite game. Yeah, <laughs> That's all we ever yeah. talk about. Um, I, I've been really digging roguelikes a lot. So Sifu is such a cool take on it as revival i think is what it's called though yeah one. yeah that one looks yeah. cool too and it's actually by um uh japan studios which we'll be talking oh. about today yeah 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 really yep but, I didn't yeah know which that. unfortunately they're looking sony's maybe looking to shutter them but at least they're oh. which is like one of their oldest and best studios but yeah that, it's made by not team Ico, but it's made by japan studios yeah interesting i didn't know that i had no idea for some reason i, I was i was picturing them more as a. Uh, 
who's the ones that made uh, Control and Alan Wake? Remedy. Remedy, Remedy yeah. Games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was, like, I was thinking like Remedy Games kind of made that. It had that vibe to yeah, it. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like anything like a team uh, Japan Studios. And maybe I'm wrong, Not at but all. I'm pretty sure... Um, at Japan Studios because I remember there being some articles going around about the fact that they, Sony's maybe looking to shutter them which is really sad oh, that sucks because you can <laughs> see how the West has like the West and East are influencing game development and it's really cool so just to know that uh, Eastern team made that game that is, I, I thought it was very Western yeah. Kind of, oh, yeah that's very cool that is very very cool um, but yeah so the, the, the I, keep, I think I keep calling it the direct the state of play uh, was a little disappointing but it had some cool parts the, the Final Fantasy thing was like I still have not beat remake yet. And I need to, but <laughs> yeah. there's something as cool as, as for a Final Fantasy VII fan that enjoys that series. It was a cool announcement, but the trailer was just really cringy to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a part where like, so Yuffie's a ninja in the game. She's a she's one of the like main character like, main ish characters, and, and she's like talking to the dude in the trailer. I, I people know what I'm talking about if you've seen the thing. And she's like, I'm not your sister. And I was like, and my girlfriend was watching the time, and she was like. This is awful. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I know, this is so bad. But it's good, though. Like, the story's really good. Yeah. I just think the trailer was really rough. Um, mm-hmm. And if you've ever played Dirge of Cerberus on the PS2, there are some things in that trailer, in the new trailer, that worry me a whole lot. Because Dirge of Cerberus <laughs> yeah. is not a good game, in my opinion. Um, a really, really rough game. So, anyway, going off that tangent. But what was really cool, though, I will say it was really cool, is that they are releasing Final Fantasy Ever Crisis, which is like a redone version of the original Final Fantasy, but with upped graphics. So it's like redone in the same, like, kind of... It's all like the the character models are kind of like spritier, you know. They're like condensed and like they're like they were on the PlayStation One, but there's up the graphics and they redone the whole thing. And they're not only doing the first game, but they're doing all the stories that they've ever done. Oh, so that's like really cool. the movie Advent Children and, and Dirge of Service, actually, which I'm very curious how they're going to do that. Yeah. Um, so and they're going to redo all these. It's going to be like a monthly thing that you can buy into, which is like that's a cool super idea. cool. Yeah. yeah. So I'm actually more invested. I'm actually more excited for that than I think I am for this this DLC for a remake for some reason. So, um, but yeah, so that's kind of everything that's gone on for us. Mm-hmm. So things are going, yeah. things are going pretty well. Um, and we really hope that you enjoyed our last episode, which is our DLC five episode of the worst settings in video games. And we actually have a commentary, which is awesome. Wonderful. These are come from the guys at uh, the Play Your Way podcast. Uh, they're really cool, and they left a message for us. They said. Uh, our question was, what are the worst, obviously, what's the worst settings in video games for, for you guys? And they commented, uh, gotta go with the world of Borderlands. No, thank you. Yeah. With a cry, laughy <laughs> face. And totally agree. If you've yeah. listened to the episode, then you know our stance on that. <laughs> yeah. No, no amount of claptrap sarcasm is ever going to make you want to live <laughs> no. there. I don't care what you have to no. say. Not cool. It's yeah. miserable. Yeah, awful. Just awful. Skag, skags, right? Skags, skags yeah. yeah. Skags, yeah. Skag yeah. meat's not good. I don't want to eat that. And yeah, awful. It's just all bad. Stuff. All bad times. Yeah, all bad times. <laughs> Great to play in video games. Bad yes. to live in life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. One of the things I think we learned from that episode is like, bad settings can make for really fun games. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it helps, right? Yeah. It really yeah. helps. Yeah. So any game developers out there that want to know the secret, just make your setting absolutely just miserable. garbage. If, miserable. If you're ever to live in it, you're miserable. Absolutely. Like, yeah. Don't make it boring, though. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, uh, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Because then you have a whole new problem on your hands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but as always, storygoers, can you hear my dog? <laughs> uh, currently, no. Okay, he's just being wild. Um, <laughs> as always, storygoers, you can reach out and let us know your thoughts, feelings, and perspectives by emailing us at talesfromthecartridge at gmail.com 
all of the E's are threes. That has not changed no matter how many times I email other people <laughs> with these email addresses I want and ask them to give it to me, but I won't give up. Uh, you, can also, <laughs> you can also comment on Twitter and Instagram. Let us know what you think, and we will happily read those on the show. And we are still doing our sticker initiative, where if you give us a comment or you talk about the show or give us your perspective, we would happily send you one of our Tales from the Cartridge stickers. They are super duper cool. They're like, I'm not good with measurements, I'll be honest with you. But they're like three inches by two inches or an inch and a half, something like that. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, it's not, I, I ordered a cider from a place that I used to go to in uh, New York and they gave us a stick, they gave my girlfriend and I a sticker. Uh, and it was like the size of my face. And I don't know where I would ever put that sticker. Yeah, and and that. as nice as that is, I just, yeah, it's, it's not practical. Our stickers are, and they're free for with a comment. <laughs> you can't get a better deal than that. No, no you can't. <laughs> so let us know your thoughts, feelings, and perspectives. If you wouldn't mind. But today we are talking about the classic 2005 PlayStation 2 game, now PlayStation 4 remake game, mm-hmm. uh, Shadows of the Colossus. Ryan, do you want to run us through a little bit of the uh, background influence stuff? Yeah, I would love to. Um, so Shadow of the Colossus came out in 2005, on October 18th, 2005. It was developed by Japan Studios, which was Team Ico, known mm-hmm. because they made Ico, the, the game before this. That was the game... They directly moved before this, which is kind of where they got their name. And it was published by Sony Interactive Entertainment, or Sony Computer Entertainment, sorry. Which obviously is the same crew who, who make the PlayStation. So um, kind of <laughs> in-house, they published this game. Um, and that's one of their, one of their studios that they, um, had for, they've had for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to try to say these names. This is obviously a game. Uh, a Japanese team um, and a Japanese game. Um, so I'm going to do my best, but I, my, my, my Japanese is, is, is non-existent. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Junichi Ho, the writers are Junichi Hosono, uh, Masashi Kudo, and Takashi Izutani. I think you did great. Who are, who are the writers. And then the director, and a lot of times when I was looking up the influences on this game, the director is, seemed to be the person with the vision who kind of seems to make a lot of decisions. Uh, and that person is Fumito Ueda. Um, and he is the, the, the director, so he seemed to have a really clear vision. And a lot of the interviews about this game are directly with him or conversations with him. Um, and he's gone on to do other things that hopefully we'll get to visit someday. But Yeah, yeah. And, and to say, too, I, I mean, I think Shadow of the Colossus is kind of known as a spiritual su- successor to Ico, But in a lot of ways, it seems like it's like a prequel to it as well. Um, yeah. There's a lot of visual aspects of Shadow of the Colossus that correlate with Ico and, and the thought that these two games connect with one another mm-hmm. um and i never i always call it trico i don't even know what the actual name of the game is um i never played trico and if you guys know what the heck i'm talking about last guardian know, like, last guardian thank yeah. you i always i literally cannot think of anything else but trico <laughs> it's just like what i think of i can't i never played last guardian and so i don't know if that's related also i think it so. seems very close in the style of the things and but um I didn't hear great things about it. So I didn't play it, but I, I actually own it, <laughs> so I really should. <laughs> yeah, yeah, correct. Yeah, I don't <laughs> I know. I've never played that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I'll run through the influences if that's sure, cool. Sure, I would. I would love that. Uh, so the, there was a team of thirty-five people for this game. Uh, a way to wish that the game would have a very unique presentation and change how both players and developers perceive the idea of what bosses should be in video games. Which, man, uh, reading that and thinking about this story is super, super true. Uh, So to achieve this, he ensured that the game's only enemies would be 16 colossi, and that they would only be approached one at a time, and there'd be various behavior patterns to each colossi, I'm sorry, to each colossus. 
Though limiting the presence of enemies to only bosses only partially intended to differentiate the game from others, a way to also express that the that it was to ensure that the programmer's focus was entirely on the claw side so that their quality would be as high as possible. That's really smart. Uh, in accordance to the focus of upon the claw side, his preference was for simple controls. Uh, he intended that one button for the controller would be used solely for targeting the claw side during battle. Um, he cited that The Legend of Zelda was an influence on the boss design, referring to the bosses as inverted Zelda dungeons. And that's so interesting. I feel like the main character, the Wanderer, is very much like Link influence. So that's a very cool idea for people who don't like Zelda games that like get frustrated with the dungeons. I think Shadow of the Classes is a really cool take on, mm -hmm. based on what he's uh, citing his influences as. That's so that's super cool. I I never thought of it that way, but I like it. Mm -hmm. Um, and lastly, what Ryan found for this is uh the game was deeply influenced by Taos values. Uh, about respecting the beauty and inherent balance of nature, as well as serving as a cautionary tale of the dangers of man overstepping his boundaries. Man, I love that you put all this in here because I, oh man, so I would actually say story guys really keep all this stuff in, in mind because like this game does a great job of doing all these things. Like, I, it's so interesting. I had a, a fantastic time writing the script for this one because like, and we'll get into this as we get through the story and the discussion part, but this game is so simple, I think, in the, if I had to describe the game, I would say it's a simple game, but that's where the beauty comes from it. So there's there's beauty and simplicity, at least from my perspective there is. Um, and so this game is so straightforward, like like Ueda says, you know, you're only fighting bosses this whole game. And I think there's such a cool aspect to that. So, but we'll get into that as we get to the story. This story actually, this game actually reminds me of uh, Fury. It's the newer game that came out. It was a, also a boss battle only game where you just fight 10 bosses. And I really like that game too. There was kind of no story to that game, but it was a very beautiful, like mesmerizing game in the same way that Shadow of the Colossus is it, for me. I don't know. Did you ever play Fury by chance, right? No, I'm talking about play Fury. Oh, it's really good. It's really good. Right? If you ever want a, just a boss battle game that kind of frustrates you at times <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's, it takes a long time to kill these bosses but like uh but yeah anyway going on a tangent here ryan what are your memories of shadow of the colossus yeah so shadow of the colossus this is a game that uh i played uh, not exactly when it just came out but around that same time around when it came out probably 2006 2000 so i was in like middle school no mm -hmm. high school High school. I was like a I was like a freshman, freshman right? or a sophomore in, in high school. Yeah. So yeah. I, I remember playing it, you know, on, on the PlayStation two, either um, at home or at my friend's house or something like that. I, I know me and my friend Dylan, this was a game that we talked about a lot and that we um I, I was I was talking with him a lot about this game. But it's it's a really beautiful game. Like you said, this idea of just taking on like the whole game is really hyper focused on these bosses was so different than anything I'd ever played. And the scale of these bosses just blew me away. And the kind of the beauty and the in the simplicity of the story, this idea of you're really your only goal and you don't get a ton of information. You're just your only goal is is this one specific thing. And and as you're playing it you kind of know that I won't get too much into it, but you get you get this feeling about what you're doing, and then it, but it, but you, you you still follow through with it, and that's really interesting how it kind of challenged you in that way. I mean, it's just a, it was a really it's a really fun game to play, and it's a really beautiful game. But yeah, I, I remember yeah. really loving it, and it's it's one of those games where similar to like Bioshock is like core to when you think about video games, and someone's like, can you tell me talk to me about like one of the most you know beautiful or games you think of as art or most influential games? Shadow of the Colossus is is, is by far um, way up there. Yeah. yeah. But what about you? What are your what are your memories of Shadow of the Colossus? 
so I don't think I knew of Shadow of the Colossus when it first came out, but I never played it. I think it was a game that kind of intimidated me and I didn't really want to jump into um, until years later. I always heard it was a great game, so I, I think I bought it secondhand somewhere um, for the PlayStation 2 and threw it in, and I remember just loving it. Like, just very much loving it. And there's, like you said, this kind of, um, the game is, and like I said too, I think, we're going to probably say the same things a lot. Um, the, the beauty of the game is just so vast this land that is just absolutely forbidden to touch so nature is kind of just taken over but you know that there is some kind of influence there by people it's just so it is so well done especially because i so when i wrote the script it was for the playstation 4 version i actually couldn't really find a, a good playstation 2 no commentary video so i did the playstation 4 and it, like blue point i think it's blue point uh that did the remake to just like did such a good job with it it is just so beautiful it's like how i thought i remembered it the PlayStation 2 version in my mind and just how just like the water looks so crisp and the Colossi just looks so intimidating and so detailed at the same time their first ways kind of like they did on the PlayStation 2 in my mind at least um it's just so cool so yeah I, I remember really enjoying it and really loving the story and as uh, myself I, if I ever was asked like do you like simpler things or do you like more detailed things I would probably say simpler things I, I love like simple kind of um detailless artwork like i think too many details kind of can bog down artwork and make it look too not good um same with like stories the same with video game design i think shadow of the colossus does this great they kind of take like simplistic uh simplicity is key like the, that kind of motto and i thought they really applied it to this game in the best way and i'm not saying this game is simple by any means like i'm sure it was like a very hard to develop this game and this game is very tough to beat too but uh i just love that they, they take i think they take this idea of you're this person, you have to do this thing, go for it. And you kind of can just throw yourself into it without kind of being jarred out of it or being like, you know, nothing weird happens. They're like, oh, that's weird. I don't really like, it takes you out of the story. That, for me, that never happens in this game. I just, I'm always a part of this. I'm always ready to continue. Nothing really holds you back. And that's what's so cool about this game. But yeah, so I will say too, uh, I remember playing this game and calling the main character the Wanderer. And upon doing some research, a lot of people, at least uh, for newer talk since the ps4 version came out called the main character just wander um and so i was really kind of back and forth on what to call him but i went with the wanderer because you don't ever really know his name there's no indication that he's ever called just wander so i thought the wanderer was more fitting so that's what i went with i think that's a lot of people consider his name to be so that's what we're going with and as you know if you've played this game before if you haven't then there are 16 bosses in this game that is a lot of redundancy um, it's great to play, it's hard to listen to as a story. So I really had, had to condense it down. I believe there's, well, I think there's five Colossi we cover in total, but I try my best to make sure that, I try to focus the story on like more of a fairy tale-esque story rather than like a, a story, like a Soma story or an infamous story where there's a lot of details, a lot of characters going on. Oh my God, my dog. <laughs> Losing his mind. Um, so yeah, that was kind of the approach I took for the script. Like it almost feels like a, a mythology. Like I don't know what the right word is, but like this game, you talk, you talking about the script and talking about the the experience. My dog's growing in the background. Uh, you talking about this game and talking about the experience. It just makes me feel like this is like a um, a legend or a myth that you would like tell somebody. The, the, just the scope of it and the scale of it and the simplicity and the beauty of it feels um, like that. That's really. But yeah, I'm I'm ready to dive in. Excited. I think you're totally right. I, I it's like it's a game where you get such little info on the lore of it that you just crave more, but you just know you won't get it because it's not there. And that's why I, 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 
I haven't played Ico in forever, like in forever. So I don't know how many references there are in the game, how, how the two compare to one another or if they are connected in some way. But They are. I like, believe they are I, connected. I would just love more of that world. I would love to learn more about, you know, just everything. And, and we'll talk about that at the very end. But I I just wish we had more of this. And it makes me sad to hear that, like we were saying, with the, the team at Japan, it might be you know getting separated and all that and that makes me really sad because i would love to i hope i don't know if is team Ico still doing stuff i don't know i don't know i think i think with how the la, how the last guardian because it, it kept getting pushed back and kept getting delayed and then they got a heat for it and then they finally released i, I don't think it was ever going to live up to because again the game that they created before that was shadow of the colossus right which was this like really incredible well loved by everyone kind of core game and then The Last Guardian was announced, everyone was really excited, but then it kept getting delayed, and things would happen, it would get delayed, and then when it finally came out, I don't think it was ever going to live up to um, what people wanted. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what the future is for, for that team. But Fingers crossed they come back, because yeah. I think it, it would be great to mm-hmm. see. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what Uwit has been doing since Shadow of the Colossus, I mean, or at least The Last Guardian, if he, if he directed that one. Because I don't know off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, I really would hope that we get more of this world eventually because it's obvious that the 2000 with the the PlayStation 4 remake I I felt like there was something there to that you know that there's a if there's a PlayStation 4 remake granted uh Bluepoint distributed Dark Souls so we haven't seen a new Ico yet but I would love to see an, a new Ico remake and then a whole new game to that story that would be ah oh, that'd be the dream PlayStation <laughs> I've said this before to other people and I'll say it to you now don't be a coward. Stop it. Just stop it. You know what people want. Just do it. <laughs> yeah. It's not a big deal. No one wants... There was that game... <laughs> Never mind. I was going to call it a start game. throwing some shade. Yeah. It's mean. I'm not going to do that. But I mean, every game is great in their own way for people who like those things. So, um, but yeah, PlayStation, just don't be a coward. That's all. That's all I ask. So, but yeah, without further ado, we'll uh, begin our story. Let's do it. Our tale begins at night. The full moon illuminated the night sky as a lone hawk soared through the air. As it glided alongside the massive cliff to its right, a small path showed resting in the side of it. Traveling on the path was a person known only as the Wanderer, with his trusty steed, Agro. A large object wrapped entirely in a sheet rested against the Wanderer's lap as Agro took them slowly across the cliffside path. The Wanderer and Agro traveled, through calm nights and stormy days. The landscapes were beautiful and the air was crisp. The wanderer wished he could stop to admire the vast beauty around him, but he had no time to spare. He needed to hurry. As Agro continued to carry the wanderer and the large wrapped object, they came to what seemed to be an entrance. A massive stone wall stood before them. A small intentional slit allowed passage through it. Agro climbed the steps to the entrance and carried the wanderer inside. Beyond the wall, a seemingly never-ending stone bridge sprawled out in front of the Wanderer and Agro. This place was known as the Forbidden Lands. Its name came for reasons unknown to most people. Beneath the long stone bridge were various different landscapes and terrains. Deserts were seen resting next to large bodies of water as well as forests standing nearby. The sun shined between the thick clouds and the sky as Agro and the Wanderer began to walk across the bridge. It took some time to cross until the travelers finally made it to its end. A gigantic structure sat in front of them. It was known as the Shrine of Worship, and it stood directly in the middle of the Forbidden Lands. 
Making it to the shrine's entrance, the solid stone slab rose up on its own, allowing the wanderer and aggro passage inside. Stairs descended down into the shrine as the stone door closed behind them. The air was musty and thick. At the bottom of the stairs was a large cylindrical chamber with a spiral staircase leading down to the ground floor. Agro carried the wanderer slowly down, making sure not to misstep. As they safely made it to the ground floor and passing a small pool of water, the wanderer and Agro entered into the main chamber of the shrine. The sunlight shined solely at the end of the main chamber. Its luminous glow felt warm and inviting. An altar could be seen at the end of the chamber. On both sides of the chamber were 16 stone idols, prominently on display. Each of the idols were unique in their own individual physical characteristics. Stopping at the end of the chamber, the wanderer dismounted from Agro and brought the sheet-wrapped object with him. He carried this object to the chamber's altar and carefully laid it down. Bare feet could be seen showing from the edge of the sheet. As the wanderer removed it, throwing it behind him, he could finally see her face again. Mono. It pained him to see her that way. She laid on the altar, her eyes closed, and body motionless, her hair softly waving in the air's breeze. The wanderer stared at Mono. Sadness showed on his face like a mask he couldn't remove. As he stood in the shrine of worship, he recalled what Lord Emmon said so long ago, what he preached about the Forbidden Lands. That place began from the resonance of intersecting points. They are memories replaced by ends and not and etched into stone. Blood, young sprouts, sky, and the one with the ability to control beings created from light. In that world, it is said that if one should wish it, one can bring back the souls of the dead. But to trespass upon that land is strictly forbidden. The wanderer stood staring at Mono. Dark and shadowy figures rose from the chamber's grounds behind him, scaring Agro. Placing his hand on his scabbard, the wanderer turned around and unsheathed his sword. A faint light shone from the blade, and the wanderer pointed his sword to the shadow people standing ahead of him. The shadows unwillingly dispersed as the skies above the shrine became angry. Dark clouds filled the sky and lightning crashed down from them. An eerie pair of voices spoke, their words loud and prominent one masculine, and one feminine. <sighs> thou possess the ancient sword, so thou art mortal. The eerie voice said. Are you Dorman? The wanderer questioned. I was told that in this place, at the end of the world, there exists a being who can control the souls of the dead. Thou art correct. The other one known as Dorman. The wanderer turns to Mono, her body still lifeless. She was sacrificed, for she has a cursed fate. Please, I need you to bring back her soul. <laughs> that maiden soul. Souls that are once lost cannot be reclaimed. Is that not the law of mortals? With that sword, however, it may not be impossible. Really? That is, of course. If thou manage accomplish what we ask it. What do I have to do? Behind the idols that stand around the wall, thou art to destroy all of them. But those idols cannot be destroyed by the mere hands of a mortal. Then what am I to do? In this land there exists Colossus, 
they are the incarnations of those idols. If thou defeat those Colossus, the idols shall fall. I understand. But heed this. The price you pay may be heavy indeed. It doesn't matter. Very well. Raise thy sword by the right, and head to the place where the sword's light gathers. There, thou shalt find the Colossus thou art to defeat. The Wanderer turned back to look at Mono again. Hope filled his heart. Now, be on thy way, demanded Dorman. The Wanderer walked to the right side of the altar Mono laid upon and unsheathed his sword again. He held it up in the air in the direction of the sun. A bright light showed from the tip of the sword and beamed forward. It showed the Wanderer where he had to go. Running over to Agro, the Wanderer mounted his steed and both descended down the nearby steps and out into the Forbidden Lands. Agro rode forward, the Wanderer holding on to the saddle strap with one hand and his sword in the other. In a canyon ahead was an opening, but not long into it did the passage end. Only walls decorated with thick vines showed on the canyon walls. Getting off Agro, the Wanderer walked to the vine canyon walls and began to climb. He looked around him, knowing that Agro would not be able to climb the canyon walls himself. He decided it looked safe to leave him behind for now. Climbing up the wall and traveling up old, weathered paths built into the canyon side, the Wanderer made it to the top and could see to the other side. The ground shook with every footstep it took. The Wanderer's eyes widened, looking out to the towering Colossus walking by him. The ground cracked underneath the weight of the hulking Colossus. The Wanderer had never seen anything like it before. Most of its body was dark fur, with seemingly stone armor built into it. The stone adorning the Colossus seemed designed as if handcrafted by an artisan. In its right hand was a huge makeshift mallet able to crush any foe in its path. The Wanderer knew Dorman said this journey would not be easy, but how could he slay that, he wondered. The Colossus continued to walk by, not noticing the Wanderer, and its hooved feet continued to smash into the ground, step by step. Wasting no time, the Wanderer chased after the Colossus, able to catch up to it. On the back of the Colossus's leg, the Wanderer jumped and grabbed onto its fur. His hand quickly slipped as he fell back onto the ground, slamming on his back. A familiar but uncomforting voice spoke in the Wanderer's head. Hold up thy sword to reflect the light onto the Colossus. Its battles should be revealed. Holding up his sword, a spot on the back of the Colossus's leg shone. It was the same spot the Wanderer had tried to grab on before. Running up behind the Colossus again and jumping, he successfully grabbed onto the back of its leg. As the Wanderer scaled the back of the creature's leg, he came upon the weak spot, the sword illuminated moments prior. Unsheathing his blade, the Wanderer lifted it back and stabbed into the spot. Black liquid shot out of the stab wound. The Colossus bent down in pain. The Wanderer used the chance to continue to climb the monster, up his back and to the top of his head. Using his sword, the Wanderer found the last weak spot resting on the Colossus's head. With all his might, the Wanderer stabbed into it. The Colossus groaned out in pain as it fell to its knees and laid on the ground. The Wanderer fell forward from the top of the Colossus's head and stumbled to the ground. The massive monster suddenly began to decay, a stream of black escaping the top of its head. The swirling black tendrils flew through the air as the Colossus decayed into complete blackness. 
The swirling black tendrils turned, coming down and entering into the wanderer. Pain spread throughout his body as he lost his strength, collapsing onto the ground. As he laid motionless, the wanderer could only see a tunnel of perpetual darkness with a white light shining at the end of it. The tunnel became brighter and brighter. Unbeknownst to him, the wanderer had teleported back to the shrine of worship. He laid on the shrine's cold stone ground. A human-shaped black mass stood over the wanderer, looking down on him. It stood there, its intentions unknown. The wanderer finally awoke, with no one standing by him but Mono, who still laid at the shrine altar. The wanderer walked to Mono until a cracking sound could be heard behind him. Turning around, the wanderer watched as the stone statue of the Colossus that he had just slain blew apart, falling into pieces on the ground. Fifteen statues remained. An eerie noise could be heard from the aperture in the ceiling as the wanderer looked up. My next foe is in the seaside cave. It moves slowly. Rise thy courage to defeat it. The wanderer said nothing. A simple nod as he walked away from Mono and raised his sword again. The light from the sword showed the way. The wanderer turned back to Agro, who waited behind him. They both must have teleported back to the shrine together. The wanderer mounted Agro and left the shrine once more. Okay, so quick stop. Uh, I have a few questions to ask you, Ryan, but Ooh. so far, what are you thinking about the story? I mean, like you've talked about, and it looks like it's, it's part of your questions, is it's, it's really simple. There's this... It's, it's, um, what's it called? A, um, in media res, um, you're, we're jumping in kind of in the middle of this story taking place. There's not this like mm-hmm. long drawn out kind of exposition of why we're here and what's happening. It, we're, we dive in and it just starts happening and things start taking place and we're just kind of existing in this experience, which I think is a really great way to start this story. And I think it, yeah. it, it, it lends itself to that, that kind of, you're, you're just ready to jump in and you want to know more. Um, again, it, it, what we've talked about in so many of our stories is oftentimes the unanswered questions are what drives our interest or engagement in the story. And this is sort of doing, doing a really beautiful job of just kind of throwing us in. I have so many questions about what this shadowy figure is. What is this price he has to pay? What is mm-hmm. what is happening? Why is this evil creature effectively, what at least what sounds to be by the spooky waste you're doing, wanting you to kill these giant beautiful creatures and when you kill them they like moan in pain and yeah. they fall and their statues fall and, and what is this that you're doing um and, and 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 we know why but but we don't have any other context which i think is, is really interesting it's it's really great it's really engaging the the it's all it's all really great and as far as i know too i could be totally wrong here and i think i may have missed this if that's the case i probably am wrong here but i think there are some colossus a colossi that are not See, trying to hurt you until yeah. you try to hurt them first. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm pretty Which sure. Which is a lot. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I think there are some that do try to hurt you right from the get-go, but I believe there are some who don't try to do anything to you unless, like this first one will just keep walking by you yeah. and just doing its thing mm-hmm. unless you, uh, you know, try to kill it. And then it gets pissed. Yeah. <laughs> right. But yeah. Um, but yeah, I totally agree with you. I think this game is great. It just drops you in and you go. And there's no crazy long explanation as to what's happening you're just told that if you want to save this girl you need to go do this thing and the wanderer seems very uh not caring about what the consequences are to this uh and i think 
there's a very good, uh, it, just him saying that I want to save this person, she had a cursed fate, and I want to save her, is, is, is plenty of motivation for, for one to want to do something. You know that there's a lot of love involved here, whether it's a romantic partner or even like a sibling or whatever it may be, a friend, it doesn't really matter. The Wanderer, and you never really know either, but The Wanderer, you know, is very invested in this, and that's all you kind of need to know, so which is cool. Um, but I, that's so, that's why I kind of go into this, is that, this, like we said, the game kind of throws you in here, and this and this is the whole game. And I don't say that as a negative thing; I think it's a positive. And I, I find this game more of a simple, a simpler story compared to like complex stories. So, how what are your feelings about simple stories, Ryan? And I say simple; I don't mean that as a negative thing either. I think simple has a negative connotation to it a lot. Yeah, it's 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 like really concise. It it knows what it wants to tell you, and it just is going to tell you those things and nothing else. Yeah, I mean, I think this is really beautifully done, and I think. It's a lot harder to tell a story in a few words than a lot of words. I think, and there's there's a lot of tr- that's that's a fairly famous quote from some famous author who I don't know who it is, but <laughs> and I'm sure I'm butchering it. But effectively, like it's it's much more difficult to tell a story really concise and simply, and having all everything that is said is important and useful. Yes. Um, and and this is so strange. Last night, um, me and my partner were sitting on the couch and we watched the um, Outriders demo, and oh. in comparison. It's just like this super complex, heavy-handed, overly kind of contrived nonsense. And like compared to this, it's just so beautiful and simple. And um, you just there's not a half hour of cutscenes making you maybe be invested. You dive in and you're right away. You don't need anything else. You know, the, my character cares for this character. What I have to do is kill these creatures. And how beautiful to set it up is like there's this totally passive again it's it's what we've seen in other games it's like playing with your expectations as like a, a video game individual you see a monster you want to go kill it but you could just stand yep. and watch it and and what that, what that's interesting how it kind of plays with that but going back to your question um, I really love simpler stories I really love where, when something is, is trying to tell this really concise kind of really well thought out and cared about story I think oftentimes that's much more difficult to do but when it's done mm-hmm. well it similar to Shadow of the Colossus, it, it kind of can survive for, for decades um, after that story is told because the story is so... It's so easy to connect with it. It's so easy to understand what's going on. The, the, the drives of these characters are just that of caring for another human being, or not even human, caring for another being, which I think is right. a really, really easy thing to connect with. But yeah, what do you think? Yeah, no, I think everything you said is how I, I feel also, which is an easy way to say, easy way to get out of this question, I suppose. I know I don't want to get out of it. But no, I think I, I tend to like, uh, concise is a much better word than simple. More concise stories like this, they're, they're just so, and like you said, that's the beauty of it, is that while they are concise, every single sentence that is said is important. It's not just like stupid mumbo jumbo that's kind of thrown in there for, you know, whatever reason. It's every little thing is important here. You know that you're in the forbidden lands. You are in, you know, you know you're in the shrine of worship. You're talking to this like deity in the aperture, you know, of this, of this, if you don't know, I didn't know this, so if no one else knows this, or if you don't know this, there's no shame in it. An aperture is like basically a hole in the ceiling, (laughs) you know, and, and I should have looked up actual definition, but whatever. Every time I think of aperture, I think of aperture science. Which is, which the logo is a, is an aperture. It's a, it's a, it's a, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Um, But I mean, my point is that, that's what I love about this story is that it's almost like a simpler Zelda like, it's, it's funny the way to compare this to this. Um, it, it, it really is, well, I, I don't know what I'm going to say, but what I'm going to say is it kind of plays on the human emotion like we talked about. Um, 
So like, for example, I, um, for my job, I'm a therapist. I was talking to a kid who had a very traumatic moment the other day and I asked them if they wanted to talk about this moment and they said no. And I said, that's okay. We don't have to talk about that moment. What about the feelings that you had about that moment? And they said that they would talk about that. And that's that as a person, I haven't gone through what they experienced, but I experienced the same emotion that they feel from that experience. So that's a way for us to relate and to sympathize. And that's what we see here. The wanderer loves this person, whether whatever relationship that is, and everyone in their lives more or less has someone that they love. So we can all connect on that basis of there's one person that we typically have in our lives that we would do anything for. And that's what the wanderer is. You know, like if, if my girlfriend or my mother, you know, were suffering and I could save them and, and possibly do some harm in the process, I would probably do it because I love these people and I, and I would do that. Um, so yeah, I love my mom. Yeah, we all love our moms, <laughs> we okay? We all love our moms, yeah, of course. <laughs> Don't rack on me, bro. <laughs> no shame in loving your mom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think that's a, a really cool way to relate to the character and and kind of sympathize with this act. And and you know, and it pains me to see these these creatures, like you said, these these creatures die. Like it's it's a very sad moment because you're you're taking part in the killings of these creatures that are more or less doing nothing to you, but they are an end to means for the wanderer, which means that he has to do what he has to do, which is like that, you know. That hard thing. Do I do this or horrible thing for myself, or do I let it go? And all right, before we get back into it, though, Ryan, I felt like this was a story that had a fantastic example of a setting that in, that made the story even better in the storytelling. What do you think? Would you agree with that? Or disagree? Yeah, I, I completely agree. These, these, uh, my, I have a really vivid, Im- like, I if I think of this game, I have a vivid image of you riding aggro through this big, beautiful green open field, sword in your hand, and this beam just shooting in some direction, and just yeah. the, the the largeness, the vastness of it is it t- does so much of the heavy lifting for this story. Um, and that when you arrive, and then these these classic themselves are like settings in of themselves, like the way you have to traverse traverse them. Is, is such a big part of the game and the storytelling. But yeah, I think the the fact that it's called The Forbidden Lands and it's this like lush, beautiful, verdant space um, is, is I think, really well done. And it, it almost feels... Because they tell you up front, you should not be here. In, mm-hmm. It's in the name, Forbidden Lands. You should <laughs> not be here. But you're here and just taking in, this, in, in it, this beautiful space. And I think that also has this really good tension, adds some really good tension to the story. It really does, yeah. You know you're doing something bad, in a sense. Like, you know yeah. you're, you're causing some kind of chaos, um, but the fact that he doesn't care is very interesting. Yeah. So, like, how, why, is this por- why is this person important? And, you'll, and yeah, we'll, we'll get, dive deeper in the story. But last question, Ryan. Aggro. Mm-hmm. A good boy or the goodest boy? <laughs> the, the goodest boy. The goodest boy. I love Aggro so much. Um, he's such a wonderful... Yeah. And, again, like, how beautifully done. There's this horse who has not a single line doesn't mm-hmm. do anything other than things we'll talk about later but you have just such this companionship because this is your only other being in this game yeah. you're in, in it's with you the entire time and this isn't a game where and these are the games that traditionally i i like the most where you're constantly upgrading and getting new things the same things you're using at the beginning or, or what you have at the end you have a little more stamina yeah. and health but it's just so beautifully done and you just care so much about this horse but you have no reason to other than it's a really well-designed game and this horse is so important in how you traverse the world. Yeah, and I mean, in the fact that the horse is always there for you, and more or less, yeah. right? The horse is always in the shrine. You always get on the horse. It's, it's like always going to be faithful to the wanderer no matter what he's doing. Even though the, he's making this poor choice, I don't think Agro understands that mm-hmm. necessarily. Maybe he does, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I, I, the fact that, that Agro is just this 
ever trusting companion, I think builds that compassion side, builds that relationship yeah. and that sympathy. So, um, and I really tried hard to see if there was any kind of, um, gender specific for, uh, aggro and everyone always refers to him as he, so I'm going with that. Um, but if anyone has any kind of, uh, update for that, please let me know. Cause I would love to know if, if aggro is a, a female horse. That's kind of cool too. Oh, I mean, it is very cool too. Like to know that difference. I would love to know if there's like a reason for that or something. I couldn't find anything, but if someone else knows, please let us know. Cause that'd be, that'd be really cool to learn. So. And like I said, too, before jumping into the story, I really had to condense this down. So we're kind of going through here. We're going to be heading towards the fourth Colossus. But, you know, we're kind of speed running through the other two that we're going to about to kill. But it's the same. Is it the same thing? After you kill each creature, they die. The black things go in you and you wake up. And the, Okay. Great to know. Yes. Yep. Yep. Yeah, exactly. There, the reason why I chose the Colossi, Colossi that I pick um, is because there's typically special cutscenes after their deaths. Okay. So I went with those Colossi. That makes sense. like... Yeah, yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Here we go. The Wanderer and Agro rode forth, slaying the second bull-like colossus waiting under the great stone bridge, and the third colossus resembling that of a human knight. Neither could fend off the Wanderer and fell to his sacred blade. As with the first colossus, black tendrils escaped their bodies and entered into the Wanderer, causing him to fall unconscious. Each time, he and Agro would be teleported back to the Shrine of Worship by Dorman. Three shadowy figures loomed over the unconscious body of the Wanderer. As he laid on the Shrine floor, the third Colossus statue crumbled apart into debris. The sound of breaking rubble woke the Wanderer and he stood to his feet. Every time he killed the Colossus and woke in the Shrine, he felt weaker and weaker. Looking up into the aperture above, Dorman spoke to the Wanderer. My next foe is, in the land of vast green fields, rows of guided graves, it is giant indeed, but fearful, it is not. The wanderer said nothing, passing by Mono and holding his sword into the air. The ray of light pointed to the left. The wanderer and Agro hurried in that direction, through the open field and into a path formed into the canyon. The sun did not reach the path anymore as the canyon blocked it. The aggro could see enough to get them through the canyon and to the other side. A vast green field was out ahead of them. Traveling down a small path to their right, the wanderer and aggro made it down to the vast green field and traveled through it, passing large mounds of earth. At the end of the field was what looked like a large stone statue. The statue seemed to sway side to side ever so slightly. Its eyes glowed a bright blue. A colossus. Its features resembled that of a horse. Its large pointed stone legs dug into the ground, ready to face the warrior and his steed. The wanderer held up his sword and tried to expose the weak point on the Colossus. Nothing showed. He pulled Agro to the side and out of the way of the deadly feet of the Colossus and ran to the nearest mound of earth. The wanderer pulled out his bow and fired arrows at the exposed flesh of the Colossus, getting its attention. Its bright blue eyes shifted into an angry, deep orange. The Wanderer surveyed the massive horse, but there was no way he could get close without it crushing him. It was a smaller Colossus than the others, but it was faster too. Jumping off the mound, the Wanderer realized it was an old stone formation that led into an underground tunnel under the vast green field. He jumped inside, running through, and went out a random entrance. Peering around the corner of the entrance, the Wanderer noticed that the Colossus lost track of him. The horse Colossus wandered looking for its adversary. It peered around the green field and on top of the canyon walls. 
The wanderers slowly approached the colossus from behind, making sure not to make any noise. Reaching the monster's legs, its stone tail conveniently lowered down, close enough for the wanderer to reach and grab on. He climbed up the colossus using its fur and looked forward, spying the weak point on the back of its neck. Quickly running across the flat back of the horse colossus, the wanderer reached back with his sword and plunged it in the spot of the colossus. He quickly grabbed the closest patch of fur and held on as the colossus bucked in pain. As it moved, the wanderer noticed the weak point on the top of its head. As the monster settled, the wanderer ran quickly to its head and held onto its fur yet again. Pulling his sword back, the young man stabbed into the spot with all the strength he could muster. The colossus desperately tried to throw the wanderer off of it, but the human refused to let go. One stab, two stab. The black blood sprayed out of its head. With one final stab, the four-legged giant screeched out in pain, falling over onto the ground, its eyes now black and lifeless as the color of its body became dull. As with the three colossi before, their black tendrils escaped, flying through the air and entering into the wanderer. The pain caused him to yell out as he collapsed again and fell unconscious, the black vortex transporting him back to the shrine of worship. His body laid on the floor as four shadowy figures stood over him. The fourth colossus statue blew up, leaving only broken stone behind. Agro, also back at the shrine, walked to where Mono laid on the altar. The wanderer walked up to the altar as well, petting Agro as he stood by Mono. He turned to hear Dorman's words. The mysterious entity continued to instruct the wanderer on the colossi he'd fight next. The fifth opponent, a winged colossus, fell from the sky. The sixth, hidden under an ancient temple, was slain by the sacred sword. The seventh, a serpent-shaped colossus, left dead at the bottom of a lake. With each colossus slain, the wanderer was impaled by the black tendrils leaving the colossi, and he would be teleported back to the shrine. Okay, so, he has killed four colossi so far. Each time, the black tendrils escape their bodies and enter into him for unknown reasons. He is in a lot of pain, he collapses, is teleported back to the shrine, and it kind of just continues. Uh, so, for our discussion at this point, Ryan, what do you think the black tendrils are, and should the wanderer be worried? <laughs> Which is a dumb question, but I want to ask it anyway. Yeah, I mean, to the to the second part, yeah, yes, because he was told he'd have a price to pay, and this feels like it's somehow connected to that. Um, and as far as the black tendrils are, I, I, I don't know for sure. It feels like whatever he's doing, he's in the Forbidden Land, and he's killing these large, massive, powerful creatures, and he's being instructed to do so in order to bring back a life. So, And he was told he has a price to pay. Um, so my, my only thoughts would be that whatever he's doing, whatever when he was killing these creatures, whatever power is in them is either empowering him or injuring him, or because he's taking the lives of these creatures and you said he's feeling weakened, they're then in, in, in return taking something from him. Um, and mm -hmm. perhaps that's what those tendrils are. But I, I don't know. They're spooky and mysterious, and they certainly, like we talked about, those questions make you want to know more about what's happening here. Yeah, yeah. And like as you play the game, too, you see his you'll see in the script too, but you'll see the physical effects of what's happening to him every time he does this. And and from my perspective, it's never really like said, you still play the game as effectively against the first Colossi as you do the last Colossi. Um, but he just looks, he gets sicklier. And so I took it as a weaker thing. So that's why I put that in the script. Um, but yeah, like it's just, it looks so painful when he, these tendrils 
enter into him. You just know that something bad is happening. And every time those he goes back to the shrine, he's unconscious, and those black shadows just look over him, and this like ominous feel comes over him. But every time he wakes up, they're gone. So he has no idea they're doing this. So every time it happens, he has no idea this is happening. He's like, if I woke up and I was surrounded by a bunch of shadow people, maybe I'll reevaluate my situation because <laughs> that's just not okay. It's terrifying. But it's the fact that he never knows it. Only you as the viewer can see it. That's what makes it feel so ominous. Like you just don't want him to continue anymore, but you know you have to. Because you're playing as him. You're not playing. You're playing like for him, not you're not being him. Does that right. make sense? Yeah, yeah, that yeah. makes sense. And that's that's like adds to that tension of when we as the we as the as the experiencers of this story know more than the character and we, we know he's getting into he knows he's signed on to something. Um, I, I don't know if he's fully realized what that is, and, and we also haven't at this point. But we know it's more ominous than perhaps even he does, and, and he know he's the one getting like inflicted by whatever this is. And it seems as though like this has happened to him. It's about to be. It's towards the end of this. It's happened to him seven times. He's experienced this pain, and he knows he has to do it sixteen times. He has no sign of slowing down, so he's willing to inflict whatever kind of pain he needs to do to himself to achieve the goal of bringing back Momo. And we also see a moment here where it seems like Agro may have some type of relationship as he approaches the, the shrine as well. So there might even be mm -hmm. something more there or even like some kind of some kind of just worry or, or concern. We, we don't know, but I think that's an interesting yeah. moment as well. I think I, I think it's one thing if the Wanderer didn't have that constant reminder of what he's doing. Every time he wakes up, he sees Momo on the altar. And that's like, I feel like it's almost like a rejuvenating feeling where he's just like he's a this is a constant reminder that he needs to do this yeah whereas if he didn't have her i wonder if i mean i imagine he still would have that resolve but i, I wonder if it'd be harder to keep up with it the way he yeah. does yeah. but that constant reminder every time he passes her you know like you, i imagine he has to feel like this like i have to keep going mentality and and, and like we kind of talked about before with the whole like we're playing as him we're playing like for him not as him kind of thing um you know like we're playing like for this character to do this thing, we're not like making the choices. He's already made that choice for us. We have to do it. It adds to that sadness that you're forced to kill these creatures. Yeah. Uh, to to go through this journey, and it's just very, it's very sad. Like as like as someone, as I was watching it, and I was thinking about how I played the first time, I struggled with killing the creatures. I felt really bad at the time. I mean, granted, it's a video game; it's not real. Which is the fact that you're still doing this for uh, an ends that you know you don't even know if it's going to justify the means, kind of thing. So yeah, there's a reason why these things are here. You have to wonder what it is and you know probably something important but right 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 we've killed seven colossi at this point on to the eighth he's on a roll <laughs> in the worst way and these and i wish i wish i could have gone through all the scripts sorry i don't mean to go off on tangent here i wish i could have done every single boss because they're all so well designed and they're all so unique and so much fun and the idea that there's no other enemies in the world besides these ones actually brings a sense of calm for uh, it did for me at least because i knew i wasn't gonna get attacked anywhere else but this opponent that i was facing one-on-one -on -one, you know the colossi and i and so it was kind of like this when i was stuck in the water like water levels are awful for me i always felt sometimes a drag my character under and freak me out in this game you just have to remember that that's not going to happen yeah and that's kind of just almost like it's almost a sense of relief as you fight this gigantic monster which is very weird but it's, it's kind of cool too yeah it's also like the game forces you the only monsters in this game it forces you to seek them out they they never come to you it's never these yeah. creatures are never coming after you it's always you chasing them down and going to their yeah. home where they live and, and killing them there i wonder who's the real antagonist yeah i wonder who's the real antagonist. <laughs> it's a good discussion at the end of the game yeah <laughs> Lying on the shrine floor, seven shadows stood over the wanderer's unconscious body. The seventh colossus statue crumbled into pieces. 
The shadows faded and the wanderer stood up. Dorman spoke to him from the aperture in the shrine. The next foe is a tail wrapped up within a pale deep within the forest. A shadow that crawls in the walls. The wanderer wasted no time and took off, leaving the shrine with Agro to find the Eighth Colossus and following the light of the Sacred Sword. Through the canyon and following the tight paths, the wanderer and Agro found themselves at an oasis with an abandoned small temple. The wanderer got off of Agro and entered into the temple alone. Though it seemed small on the outside, the inside of the temple was much larger. The wanderer traveled throughout it to find himself into a tall, narrow arena. In the middle of the arena, the next beast. It resembled that of a gigantic lizard. Pulling out his bow, the wanderer drew an arrow back and fired at the Colossus, but it bounced off of his stone skin. Making it down to the ground level, the wanderer merged into the arena. The Colossus was scaling the arena walls, its legs growing bright as it looked for the wanderer. Pulling his bow back again, the young warrior shot each leg of the beast, causing it to fall off the wall and onto the ground. The Colossus's weak point showed on its stomach as it laid on its back. With his sword in hand, the wanderer climbed up onto its stomach and sent his sword deep within the monster's gut. A fountain of blood sprayed forth from the Colossus as it twisted back onto its feet, pushing off the wanderer back to the ground. He sprinted back into the walls of the arena and up to the second floor. Pulling out his bow again and firing at the Colossus, the massive lizard tried once more to scale the arena walls looking for the wanderer as he moved back down to the ground floor and fired more arrows into its glowing legs. The Colossus fell back again, exposing its weak spot as the Wanderer ran up onto it, sinking his sword into its stomach one last time. Black blood spewed forth as the Colossus cried out in pain. Its body became lifeless as black tendrils escaped from it. Soaring through the air once more, they came down into the Wanderer, painting him and knocking him out. The black tunnel with the white light at the end of it carried him back to the Shrine of Worship. He did not know how, but he could see her. A blinding light behind her as she laid on the altar. Mono. He rose from the stone slab, her face covered in a blinding light behind her. His eyes opened. A dream, he realized. A dream he wanted so desperately to come true. Eight shadowy figures, all standing over him, disappeared as his eyes opened once again. The eighth stone slab destroyed behind him. The wanderer stood up, his sword in hand, ready to continue. He didn't need to rest. Half the Colossi were dead. Only eight more remained. He walked over to Mona at the altar she laid on and caressed her face. She was worth all the hardship. Dorman spoke, asked the whereabouts of the next Colossus. The wanderer raised his sword, and the light coming from it pointed in the direction he needed to go. He continued to slay the towering monsters Dorman sent him to kill. The ninth, tortoise-like colossus resting in the dried-up lake bed. The tenth, an immense serpent living in the sand dunes. The eleventh, the smaller but agile lion colossus hiding deep in the canyon side. Each colossi fought the wanderer, and each fell to his blade. The more colossi that fell, the more statues destroyed, and the more shadows that would stare over the unknowing wanderer in the shrine. As he continued to kill the colossi, the wanderer began to notice himself changing. His clothes were considerably more dirty and ragged. His skin looking more sickly. Fatigue, he thought. It wouldn't stop him from completing his journey. Alright, quick stop. 
For another discussion, Ryan, if you if you yourself were the wanderer and you could put someone in Mono's place that you truly cared about, do you think you would follow through on this, or what, what do you think you would do? That's such a hard. That's such a I, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, it's a really good question, though. I mean, because it, it really kind of in this game does well, forces you to kind of be introspective and think about you as a person. What would you do in these situations? Would you are you willing to put yourself in this much harm's way for the sake of somebody you love and perhaps destroying these things you don't fully understand um, to, to, to bring that person back. And, and I, I don't know. I, 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 it's, it's such a hard question, but um, yeah. because you ha- you're trusting so much, but if that was your only hope, if there was no other way and somebody said like, this is a way you could bring them back. And even if it's, you know, 50, 50, you gotta, you gotta try it because the, the alternative is, is it, it seems like at least for him unbearable. Or, or, yeah. or not, not worth it. I mean, he's, he's willing to do so much. So, I think we as human beings do a really good job at desensitizing ourselves uh, in situations like this when we're feeling like we're justified in our actions. So yeah. like if I put myself in the wanderer's shoes and I put someone that I truly care about on the altar, I think I would also do what he's doing. You know, I know what I'm doing is something that's causing something bad. Um, but just the idea of bringing them back, I think, I, I think it would be very hard to kill these kind of beautiful creatures like the class I are, yeah. um, but it would uh, be a situation where I could de- desensitize myself into, into trying my hardest not to see these as living creatures, um, which sounds incredibly selfish. I think, I mean, from my point of view, it sounds incredibly selfish. And I think it's very easy uh, when people kill other animals or people kill animals uh, to kind of use that excuse, you know, that um, there's a lot of excuses people use to kill animals. And yeah. I, and I, um, sometimes they're justified. Sometimes I think they're total bullcrap. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, yeah. You know, um, in desperation, in like this, in a sense, obviously this has never happened in real life. But uh, you know, in desperate times, you have to do desperate things, you know, to survive. And I totally get that, and that makes a lot of sense. Um, but to do something so rash as to kill another life for the pleasure of it seems very weird to me. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know. That's just me. That it goes into a whole other topic. Though I'm, I'm right. going on. Um, but, uh, but Ryan, do you think the Colossi are living creatures, or do you think that there's kind of? I this... mean, the way the way they move and the way they exist, it, I, I don't know if they're living, but they seem to have a purpose of some kind. They seem to have, and and I mean, it, it's the definition of a living creature can, can be really tough because like, are are they sentient? We don't know. Do they have? Do, do they hunger? Do they eat? We don't know. They're these kind of eternal beings that, as far at least that's my perception. These kind of eternal beings, almost they, to me. And again, there may be some influence because I've already played this entire experience. To me, they feel like these like guardians of these places. Yeah. Um, they seem to have some kind of purpose, I, I, whether living or not. I mean, they're re- they're they're recoiling from pain. They don't want to be hurt. They don't want to be killed. They they can feel pain. So that to me feels like that there's at least something there. You know, you're actively causing them harm by what you're doing, and they they fight against being killed. So in some way they're living, in some way they have a desire to be alive. And that, to me, feels like enough to be considered living. Yeah, I, and that's the exact answer I've had. The fact that they, they uh, respond to pain and they're actually trying to stop the wanderer from killing them, I think is just says everything. Um, I heard this argument that like oysters and kind of uh, seafood that have no nervous system, like oysters and clams, uh, can sometimes be ingested by vegetarians because and vegans because of uh since they don't have a central nervous system which i i understand the point i think that's a little i think i don't know i think it's like having your cake and eating it too kind of thing yeah uh personally uh but to each their own like you know if that's what you believe that's that you know whatever um 
but the fact that these these colossi are responding to pain indicates i mean i don't know if you can really go into a scientific perspective for this game but like indicates some kind of central nervous system yeah. uh, in play here so there has to be something living something living about these creatures i would yeah i I would say like if something desires to not be killed or desired to not be put in pain even if it doesn't feel that like i i think that's it's it's worth being valued as 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 it wanting to be alive whether or not it can feel the pain or not i I don't think is 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 necessarily obviously putting something through a painful death is worse than a quick death but either way the thing doesn't want to die and that's that's important that's important to yeah but yeah 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 it's yeah, it's very interesting. And last question before we move on. Ryan. No, Dorman, oh. <laughs> Dorman, the the person that's sending the wanderer and all these tasks to kill the Colossi. Yeah. In your mind, at this point in the story, if you didn't know anything else, trying to block all that. Other stuff <laughs> yeah, hard, but I'll, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you were the wanderer and you're listening to Dorman, do you see him as a good person trying to help you or a bad person trying to manipulate you? I mean, I think for the wanderer, he doesn't care. His yeah. either way, he'll be brought back. It certainly feels like there's a menace to what's happening. These black tendrils going in you, these dark creatures standing above you. There's a, there's a menace to it. The the kind of the fact that this creature is is in these this forbidden land in this temple. Um, there's a, there's a there's a foreboding to it that certainly feels and it's it's certainly intentional. All of this, like we said, everything is intentional here. The name of the game is intentional. You know what I mean? It's all yeah, so incredibly yeah. intentional that. Um, it, it leads me to believe that there is something else going on here. There is some other kind of ulterior situation going on here, especially as we see the the wanderer changing um, in in some way. There's 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 a menace, the malice to to what's happening. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's very. I think what's really good about this is that every time you hear Dorman, he is in this beautiful aperture of light in the shrine, and so it's kind of. I feel like it's almost kind of trying to elude you to believe one thing throughout the game and i'll let the storygoers and ourselves kind of figure out what that is you know because it seems very angelic in a sense yeah and it's coming from like above you right it's this it's coming from it's very shiny and Mm -hmm. yeah glowy and and bright and warm and so you it's it's hard to know and and it's it's both a masculine and feminine voice and i hope i'm saying that correctly that's very um, inclusive so i apologize if i'm not but that's the best way to describe it so it's it's very um it's very interesting. And we'll see more about Dorman in a, a little bit as to changes and things like that. And so you can try to see your perspective shift in this regard. So keep that in mind. Now we've killed 11. We're on to the 12th Colossi. Wow, we're killing so many Colossi. So fast. So fast. Yeah, dropping them. Dropping like flies. Dropping them. <laughs> this, yeah. little, this little man is, is it's <laughs> a murderer. this Colossi. Yeah. <laughs> you mentioned getting arrested at the Fort Vanilla and killing all the yeah. Colossi. <sighs> yeah, anyway, sorry, let's go. <laughs> From the shrine's aperture above, Dorman spoke. The next vote is Paradise floats upon the water. A silent being wields thunder. A moving bridge to cross to higher ground. Following the light from his sword, the wanderer and Agro rode from the shrine. Traveling back towards the long bridge that brought them into the forbidden lands, the two ran forward crossing natural land bridges and maneuvering into a nearby forest. The light from the sacred sword took them along a path in the mountainside leading to a large running river. Agro had to be left behind as the wanderers swam up the river. It led into a very large lake with old monuments sitting above the water. From the middle of the lake, the Colossus emerged. 
large with two horns protruding forward from its head. Moss covered much of its body. The wanderer stared at the Colossus as lightning began to concentrate between its two horns and fired at its sword-wielding foe. Dutch behind a seemingly old, short pillar, the wanderer hid from the lightning blast. Blast after blast, the wanderer hid, avoiding the lightning. Becoming impatient, the Colossus brought its legs onto the stone platform with the short pillar, looking for the wanderer. Using the opportunity, the wanderer jumped from the pillar and onto the Colossus's nearby face. He quickly scaled it, making it to the flat, moss-covered back of the Colossus. In the distance, the wanderer noticed a two-story platform. On top of the Colossus's head were glowing teeth-like objects. Taking a chance, the wanderer took his sword and hit the nearby teeth. The Colossus cried out in pain as he realized that the teeth-like objects were sensitive. The wanderer hit them all around the monster's head, causing it to move in the direction that they were hit. The wanderer forced the Colossus to take into the two-story platform and he jumped off. Another short stone pillar was on the top of the two-story platform and he quickly hid behind it. The Colossus, irritated, launched more lightning at the annoying warrior. Unable to hit the wanderer, the Colossus brought its two front legs onto the tall platform, exposing its chest from the water. The wanderer ran quickly, grabbing onto the furry chest of the Colossus, its weak point exposed on its chest. The wanderer quickly pulled back and stabbed into the Colossus three times. The black blood pooled into the water beneath them as the Colossus finally fell. It fell back into the water, also throwing the wanderer into the water. As he tried to surface above the lake, the black tendrils escaped the Colossus and found their way into the warrior. He passed out and was sent back to the shrine. As the twelfth Colossus fell, unbeknownst to the wanderer, a group of soldiers were riding on horseback through the forest. They came from the same village as the wanderer. In the group was a shaman, Lord Emin. He wore long robes and a carved white wooden shaman mask. The group stopped, looking off into the distance at the shrine of worship ahead of them. Dark and foreboding clouds swirled over it. A sign not sitting well with Lord Emin. All right, discussion time. Ryan. Yeah. Who do you think Lord Emin is? Well, if he came from the same village as the Wanderer, um, and he looks like he's not enjoying what he's seeing, um, I mean, he. we know that the Wanderer heard from somebody that this place was a forbidden land. And it seems like this, this Lord Emin knows came to this place and see something and doesn't like what they're saying. So perhaps they're... If they came from the same village, they might also be looking for the Wanderer or Mono because it was said that she was a, some kind of sacrifice or some kind of... Um, cursed fate. Cursed I mean, fate. Yeah, yeah. So we, we know yeah. there's something else going on there. But again, it's just it, it, it's just giving us more questions. And now that there's somebody else here, it means that there's a whole host of things that could come from that. Do they ride into the temple and, and you know take Momo and leave or come in and attack the Wanderer in some way? We just, we just don't know why they're here or what they're doing here. Um, and those yeah. unanswered questions, I think, are really interesting. Yeah, we're getting somewhere with this. Now we now we know that there's, I mean, unbeknownst to the Wanderer, he doesn't know this is happening. But now we as a player know that, oh, oh wait, someone's coming to, to do something here. We don't know if they're going to try to stop him or try to help him. Yeah. But it doesn't look like it's the latter. You know, like, we know some, some two imposing forces about to hit me and what's going to happen from that. Yeah. And will they get there before the last Colossus is slain? That's a important right. question. Right. Or, Twelve are dead at this point. Mm-hmm. Sorry about 
And and if they do, like, what will there be a reaction? Because like we have all these unanswered questions. Like you asked, who is this um, evil? Like who is the oh, what's the name? Sorry, Dorman. Yeah, who is Dorman? And what are these Colossus? And why are they here? Like this isn't a figure who might come in and answer some of these questions and give the wanderer some context as to what they're doing. Like, and that could, as a player, inform us as to as to why. And then will he still choose to do that, having came this far, right? Mm-hmm. Being so close mm-hmm. to his goal he's done so much is there anything that could stop him at this point right yeah now he's really on a roll 12 are dead he's getting like he's, there's only what four left so if, I, if my math is right which yeah sometimes it's not <laughs> but um you know he's really like, like you said like he is he has put in the effort he is not going to stop at this point is that yeah because then what's the point of everything he's done yeah. it's almost like it's almost like that, that thing where it's like uh you've done so much you have to make it worth it at this point which is always a bad reason to do something I yeah think. um and, but it, but it's a, a reason that makes sense to the person doing these things which is a very dangerous thing right i've i've killed all these creatures i've 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 fought these things i've done something to my body i've i've harmed myself in one way just to bring this person back if i stop now what was all that for what, what, what right. was what I was just doing? What, I, what was this? Yeah. It, again, not a great reason, but certainly an understandable. And again, all of this really intentional, really, mm-hmm. really concise, and really kind of, it all makes sense. I, I, you're not questioning. You have to learn more about these individuals. They show up, and you get this sense of, because of the set piece, because of the tension, there's no nothing said, but you already know. You have a feeling of what's happening here, which is just masterfully done. Yeah. I think the real moral of the story is that the Wanderers needs some good therapy. Yeah. He's got to yeah. move on. He's got to deal yeah. with loss. Yeah. Loss is He's got to deal with loss. Yeah. Loss, is, loss hard. is hard. You can't just bring back your loved one by killing 12 Colossi. It just doesn't work that way sometimes. Right. You have to kill 16, yeah. apparently. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. You're right. You're right. You're right. You got to go kill 16. Yeah. There's always everywhere. You kill 16, you'll bring someone back. It's not yeah. a good deal. Yeah. It's not, it doesn't work. But yeah. It's very interesting. And now the story's coming to a head. So we'll, we'll see what is going to happen. It's very exciting, yeah. So 12 are dead. We're moving on to our last Colossus soon as we kind of skip through a few. So here we go. The Wanderer stood again and again, slaying the Colossi one after the other. Each time, the giants died. Black tendrils entered into the young man's body. His skin grew more sickly, and small horns began to sprout on either side of his head. However, he refused to stop, slaying the 13th, 14th and 15th Colossi in his quest to save Mono. After slaying the 15th Colossus, he teleported back, laying on the cold stone floor of the shrine again, completely unconscious. Fifteen black shadows loomed over him, their presence creating an uncomfortable feeling of doom looming in the air. The second to last Colossus statue exploded. Only one remained. As the 15th statue fell, The wanderer awoke and stood up. His legs were weak. The strength that he had had at the beginning of his journey felt unobtainable in the way he felt his weaknesses now. He felt so tired, but he was so close to saving her. Mono laid at the altar still. He prayed her eyes would open again and his journey would be all worth it. Dorman's voice echoed from above. Finally, the last Colossus. The ritual is nearly over. Thy wish nearly granted, but someone now stands in thy way. Make haste, for time is short. The wanderer looked down at his hands. He hadn't noticed how discolored they were. His eyes traced from his hands to his forearm. His skin looked sickly, different, 
quickly refocusing, the wanderer whistled for Agro once more, his trusted companion throughout his journey. The wanderer owed Agro so much, for all of his help, the pain and struggle the wanderer caused Agro. He just hoped he could repay his steed at the end of his journey. Climbing on Agro, the pair rode off, out of the shrine and following the light from the sacred sword, riding through the left side of the forbidden lands, through the canyons. All was quiet, the clouds were thick, with the sun struggling to come through. Deeper into the forbidden lands they traveled. The open field Agro took the wanderer through was vast, with random stones protruding from the ground. More canyons were up ahead, with ancient pillars at its entrance. A large stone door was built into the canyon side. A bright swirl showed prominently on it. The wanderer stared at the door, unsure what to do. Raising his sword, he shined its light into the swirl. The stone door shifted forward, opening. The grinding of stone against stone could be heard echoing out of the canyon side. The wanderer took Agro and both went forward, deeper into the canyon, running through the grassy plains and old stone stairs. A stone bridge built high over a running river below stood before them. Agro, with the wanderer on his back, slowly trotted over the bridge as it began to crumble. The wanderer prompted Agro to run as the trusty steed dashed across the bridge. As Agro ran, the bridge broke in front of him, causing him to stop and buck the wanderer forward safely to the other side. Agro neighed in fright as the wanderer helplessly watched his dear friend fall down to the river below. Agro! Agro landed in the water below, his fate unknown. The wanderer stared down, looking for any signs of Agro and his safety, but no sign could be seen. The wanderer stared down, tears welling in his eyes. He knew this was his fault. Agro didn't deserve that. The wanderer held back his tears as he stood up. He had to keep moving. He had to make Agro's sacrifice worth it. Lightning struck overhead and the wind began to pick up. The forbidden lands felt ominous and wrong. With nowhere to walk to, the wanderer began to climb old dilapidated structures and vines growing in the canyon side. As he made it to the top of the canyon, he traveled up the stone walkway to see a massive structure ahead. The structure was the biggest he'd ever seen, and it moved. The last colossus. Fire formed in the palms of the colossus as it fired them down at the wanderer, causing him to dash behind the closest stone pillar for cover. Blast after blast came at the wanderer as he ran into a nearby opening in the ground. It took him into an underground structure, and he exited back out closer to the colossus. Fire blasts continued to rain down as the wanderer ran behind cover and back into the underground structure, moving closer and closer to the colossus. Emerging from the ground once more, the wanderer made it to the colossus's huge feet. Around its legs were detailed stone walls that the wanderer began to climb. Up he went, higher and higher into the air, the colossus unsure where the wanderer went. The wanderer, raising his sword, saw the weak point on the colossus's back. Coming up its back with help of its fur, the wanderer raised his sword back and plunged it into the colossus. The massive monster groaned out in pain, reaching back to try and stop him. With its hand so close, the wanderer jumped to it, grasping the fur once more. Traveling up its arm, the wanderer noticed another weak spot and stabbed into it. He wanted to kill the monster and end this as soon as possible. The end was finally in sight. The Colossus's other hand reached for its arm, allowing the wanderer to jump to it and grabbing the fur growing from it. 
Raising its massive hand in the air, the Colossus stared at the Wanderer. Pulling out his bow, the Wanderer shot an arrow at the Colossus's shoulder, painting it. He jumped from its hand to the Colossus's shoulder as it reacted to getting shot by an arrow. Being so high up, the wind was strong and unyielding. The Colossus shook its shoulders trying to throw the Wanderer off, but he held onto the monster's fur with all of his might. Slowly climbing up to the top of its head, the Wanderer saw the glowing weak spot. He climbed to it, holding onto the Colossus as he raised his sword in the air one last time and thrusted it into the towering beast. Black blood sprayed out as the Colossus's body went limp. Its head and arms fell back as Black consumed its decaying body. The Wanderer stood on what was once the Colossus's head. The Black Tendrils emerged from the Mammoth as they had before, entering into the Wanderer once more, painting him and causing him to collapse. As the last Colossus died, Lord Emmon and his men were crossing the bridge into the Forbidden Lands, leading to the Shrine of Worship. Arriving at the shrine, Lord Emmon and his men descended inside, down the spiral stairs to the main floor. They walked into the main chamber past the small pool of water and watched as the last Colossus statue crumpled and turned into stone. No. Emmon and his men stared in horror at the now pile of stone. At the end of the shrine, Emmon noticed Mono laying at the altar. The wanderer continued to lay motionless on the ground, near the now dead body of the Colossus. He slowly began to rise up and teleported back to the shrine. Lord Emmon and his men stood by Mono as they heard the wanderer fall behind them. They turned to see him lying on the shrine floor. The sacred sword flew, seemingly from nowhere, its sharp point sticking into the ground. I don't believe this. So it was you after all. The wanderer slowly began to crawl. His skin was darkened and his horns had grown. He struggled to crawl forward as the shadow people began to emerge from the ground behind him. Have you any idea what you have done? Not only did you steal the sword and trespass upon this cursed land, you used the forbidden spell as well. The wanderer slowly began to stand. His bright blue eyes stared at Emmon. The shadow people walked beside him. Emmon's men, their weapons in hand, began to walk towards the wanderer with a signal from their lord. To be reduced to such a sight, you were only being used. Eradicate the source of the evil. Emmon's men drew their crossbows, pointing it at the wanderer. Look. He's possessed by the dead. The wanderer slowly took one step at a time towards Emmon and Mono. Hurry up and do it! A crossbow fired as an arrow penetrated the wanderer's left thigh. Ah! He collapsed onto the ground, holding his thigh. Black blood, the same as the colossi, escaped from the wanderer's wound. It's better to put him out of his misery than to exist cursed as he is, screamed Lord Emmon. One of the men held their sword over the wanderer and paused, looking down at him. Thrusting the sword down, it stabbed into the cursed hero, their sword landing into the wanderer's chest as more black blood spilled out. The wanderer held the sword with both hands, his face grimaced with pain and anguish. The warrior that stabbed him stood back in surprise as the wanderer slowly stood back up, the sword stuck inside of him. The Wanderer tried to pull the sword out of him as black blood continued to flow out of him. Slowly moving towards Mono, 
the wanderer stuck out his hand, wanting desperately to get to her. Placing both his hands back on the sword, the wanderer pulled it out of his chest. The black blood coming from his chest wound began to engulf him. As he fell to the ground, his body engulfed in the black blood, the wanderer now looked the same as the shadow men standing behind him. The wanderer's body began to grow and morph into a horned monster. From the monster's mouth spoke the words of Dorman. Thou severed our body into sixteen segments, for an eternity in order to seal away our power. Dorman, now in control of the wanderer's body, was a large black shadow monster. Its bright blue eyes stared down at Lord Emmon and his men. We, Dorman, have arisen anew. Dorman stared down at Emmon. Their shadow cast over him. He's been resurrected. We have borrowed the body of this warrior. The other parts of Dorman, the shadow people that came from the Colossus statues, ran to him, their body growing larger and more monstrous. Place a seal over the entire shrine before it's too late, screamed out Emmon to his men. Dorman began to smash their fish into the ground. Lord Emmon and his men ran to put up a seal while other soldiers stayed back and attacked the monster. Dorman chased after the men, running to place the seal. Emmon and his men made it back to the top of the spiral staircase, one of them grabbing the sacred sword before running away and passing it to Lord Emmon. As he walked over to the edge of the large spiral staircase, Emmon held up the sacred sword. Be gone, foul beast! He dropped the sword down into the small pool of water on the ground floor, releasing the seal. He turned and ran out of the entrance of the shrine. In the main chamber, the seal began to pull back Dorman towards it as the monster screamed out in anger, trying to hold onto anything it could. The black shadows coming off of Dorman, leaving only the wanderer behind. He tried desperately to get to Mono, but the seal was too strong. No matter what he held onto, or how hard he tried to run, the seal would not let go, dragging the wanderer into it. Lord Emmon and his men mounted their horses and rode off. As they ran, They destroyed the bridge behind them so that no one could ever go to or leave the Forbidden Lands. In the Shrine of Worship, Mono, laying on the altar, opened her eyes. She rose up, looking around her, not knowing what had just occurred. She left the altar and walked through the main chamber. Her bare feet felt the cold of the stone floor. A horse's neigh echoed throughout the shrine as an injured aggro limped into the lair of the Forbidden Lands. He walked to Mono, who approached and embraced him. All of the Colossi had been slain, their bodies having become one with nature once more. Dorman had been sealed away. Lord Emmon and his men made it past the bridge as it fell behind them and looked back, remarking on the situation. Poor ungodly soul, Emmon said, sadness in his eyes. Now no man shall ever trespass upon this place again. If it's even possible to continue to exist in these sealed lands, one day, perhaps, you will make atonement for what you've done. Back at the shrine, Agro limps along with Mono at his side. They move towards the pool of water at the end of the shrine, the same pool that sealed the Wanderer and Dorman. As the two approached, the pool was now empty, except for a small baby laying inside. Mono approached it, 
bending down into the empty pool and picking up the tiny infant. Small horns protruded from its head. She held the baby in her arms. A warm smile showed on her face. As Mono stood back up, baby in her arms, a limping aggro began to walk up the spiral staircase leading to the shrine entrance. Making it out of the entrance, aggro, Mono, and the infant traveled around the outside of the shrine and into a small enclosure, a garden. It was in ruin, nature having reclaimed the stone pillars and landscape. Small groupings of flowers and individual trees had grown there. Mono turned her head to find a young fawn walking by itself. The fawn approached Mono, Agro, and the infant as birds began to land nearby. Sunlight came onto the small group as if hope had prevailed. A hawk nearby ascended into the air, flying away from the shrine of worship and soaring into the distance. The end. All right, we made it. All the Colossi are dead. Yeah. <laughs> so, as a whole, Ryan, I mean, we kind of talked about this already. I'm sure story goes, we understand where we're coming from with this or where our yeah. take it is on this. As a whole, how do you feel about Shadow of the Colossus? It's a really beautiful story um, about this, kind of like what we talked about with the background influences, this, this kind of journey this person has to take and these things that they do without really knowing fully what they're doing, but they just care so much about this person that they're willing to do anything for. And then they get wrapped up in something that is is far too dangerous, that's too good to be true, you know, bringing back the one you love, and and then they have to kind of pay for that in some way. Um, But it's this really beautiful story of this this individual who goes through this and ultimately gives up what seemingly his life, or at least the life of what he had in some way in order to make this happen. And in the end, he was successful, but he did have to pay a heavy price. Um, So it's this really beautiful story that has these kind of echoes all throughout and this really good kind of foreshadowing and 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 like we've talked about it's just really concise and every every moment is meaningful every every scene every set piece is is really meaningful and interesting um and it's 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 really wonderful i really liked it what about you yeah yeah i totally agree i think that i like the story keeps it says what it says and it means what it means Mm -hmm. and and you know when it says that there's a price to pay i like that they followed through on that price and Mm -hmm. there really was the wanderer lost Seemingly his life. We don't really know if this baby is technically the wanderer or not, but, like, you, you get the impression that it kind of is. But regardless of the fact that, like, he was able to get back what he loved, but was it truly worth, now that she has to be alone in this world without him, mm-hmm. you know, he's kind of put her in the same spot that he was in, yeah. which is kind of a tragedy in itself. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love that at the end it was kind of this beautiful moment where, like, kind of hope, it felt like hope had kind of, come back in this beautiful moment where everything was peaceful again yeah it felt really good so i thought it was really good i think the ending was a little i almost wish that the wanderer could have somehow killed dorman too or helped kill dorman in some way yeah the ending feels kind of rushed because like where does the whole ceiling thing come from and but it doesn't really matter because like that was that's not the whole that's not the point um the point is that you know a, a price had to be paid and, and sacrifice had to be made um it's very interesting that Emin, uh, or yeah, Emin, uh, destroys the bridge leading to the Forbidden Lands. Why there was even a bridge to begin with, I'm very confused. But um, yeah. <laughs> it seems like a flaw in someone's plan here. Right. We should build a bridge to that, that shrine we don't want anyone to go to. What? Are you sure? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This would be great. No and then there. also, like, the seal he did was seemingly better than the seal that they had before. Um, yeah, yeah. Because he could just, although we don't know what, what the, we don't know, like, exactly what that looked like or what. Because, again, 
it, it leaves so much up to us or it leaves there's it, it tells more by not telling us things we don't know what the extent of that is or or what the purpose of this land was as far as in the greater world and now that's been lost to everyone yeah. because of what what's happened i read somewhere online that supposedly lord Emmon is the one that fought Dorman and mm. separate his parts of sixty. But I couldn't find anywhere in the game where that says that. So yeah. I don't know. I don't want to necessarily believe that's true because like I could really just be someone's interpretation. Right. Um, but yeah, I think it's something that probably happened like many, 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 many yeah. years ago. And if they had the secret sword, and it was like a legend. And you know, that's how I always pictured it. And that seems better in my head at least. So yeah. Um, uh, Ryan, did you notice how ironic it was that after all this, then the Wanderer had killed the sixteen Colossi that. That he himself got stabbed in the same yeah, way that he the had black been stabbed in the claw side. Came out. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. again, it's 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 really beautiful in a way. It's it's really fitting to the wanderer as he's done this to all these creatures, and now it is is then done to him um, in yeah. the same way. Um, that that kind of he's he's paying in multiple ways, and that that's another way that he's he's paying for his his traces. Yeah, it's very. I never noticed that until I, you know, rewatched it. Um, just the irony in that it's like a sad irony really because yeah. like this, the irony is that he stands back up again you know in, in the other class I don't right. so very interesting um, what you don't understand so hopefully if the editing if, if the editing in post goes right you notice that Dorman's voice turns from both masculine and feminine in the beginning and middle of the game to only masculine at the end when he's taking over the wanderer's body which I thought was very interesting I don't know if there's a purpose to that yeah um, Guys are gross, typically, and probably typically more evil. That's mm. how I took it as. Yeah, I mean, because it could have been as much as like Dorman was using that feminine voice to kind of comfort the wanderer in some way. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, it almost seems kind of angelic with the female voice, but then without it, it seems very demonic. Yeah, yeah. So again, really intentional. What? Yeah, yeah. That'd be something to it. Um, but from your perspective, Ryan, was Lord Emin a bad guy or was he a good guy? He, uh, in the end, you know bound this evil to this place and stopped it from escaping and wreaking whatever havoc it was going to wreak on the world. So what was really interesting is the end, like he ends up being the protagonist to the story. I really like that they let this happen because this is for like a game, a risk, right? Where that, the, the conclusion is, is in no way tied to you. Um, you mm-hmm. take no place in this end experience. You are, which, you know, similar to the Wanderer, no, not, no longer in control of the situation. Somebody stronger and more powerful than you needs to step in to save the day and and they just let the wanderer and and as the player we just have to live with that we just have to watch this experience take place and somebody else saves seemingly saves the day um so in that way he seems like a a good guy if if we're to believe that um dorman is is this evil being which he seemed to be at the end there by the visuals and the voice it's interesting. I, I want to say that Emin is the protagonist of the story, and, and then unfortunately, the Wanderer is the antagonist. Yeah, creating the problems. Yeah, creating the problems. Creating the, the problems. Yeah. yeah. But I, I feel like if Emin had understood where the Wanderer had come from, yeah. But then again, maybe he's the one that kind of forced. Maybe Emin is the reason that Mono's dead to begin with. So he never could have understood. You know, he's the he's stuck in his ways or something. But you know, yeah. I think if we had more context, you could see more of the characteristics of these characters and, and their, you know, roles to play in this story, but we just don't. So it's, as sad as it is to feel like the Wanderer is the antagonist, it's just kind of how it is. Yeah, because we, we don't know um, what, what like, could Lord Emma have said to the Wanderer, hey, 
I know because that that kind of phrase at the beginning that like this person can bring back a life that was Lord Emin who said that right if he would have said yeah, context yeah. like but you'd have to kill a bunch of monsters and actually he's a big evil <laughs> demon like that would have solved this this issue but there's a reason that that information was withheld and there's a reason yeah, that, that information yeah. wasn't shared and w- whether that's because like it requires some kind of sacrifice or whether there's some kind of something we don't know we don't have that context and again I, I like that the game doesn't tell us um, because it, it, it allows, it, in some ways it allows the story to feel more real because you never have all the context in a situation. You just have to mm-hmm. go off of what, we are all kind of unreliable narrators of our own story, right? Because we don't have all the information. Um, and I think it's really fitting that it, it follows through with that. Yeah, I think putting, I used to hate stories where you had to like kind of make up your own endings or own interpretations of what happened. But at the same time, it's also a beauty in that because you could take what you love from that story and craft that like ending in your mind of what you think happens. And it's almost, uh, it's almost art in that sense yeah. where you can kind of make it, instead of like this like definitive, what this is what happens um, moment, uh, you kind of can understand that like, you know, you won't ever know what truly happens from this, but you kind of picture it. And I really, this motivates me so much to go back to Ico now. And I love, I can't wait to cover Ico here on the podcast. I think it's going to be a fun game and I'm hoping we can pull some parallels. Yeah, because uh, I'm, I'm pretty this. sure, and again, this could be me surrendering, that the little boy in Ico is, is supposed to be the infant. Is that right? Is he I supposed to be the infant? I thought so, or it's in some way related. Like, this is a prequel. Shadow of the Colossus is a prequel to Ico. I could be wrong. It's been a really long time since okay. I've been in that world, but I thought that was a thing. I feel like I, I never put that together actually, but I mean it would make sense because the wanderer is very courageous and does crazy things. I remember the boy, supposedly was like sacrificed by the village. Yeah, I don't know because of his horns, and then end up in the castle. But yeah, I'm, like this, know, we'll have to go back soon. I think there's this really cool thing where this is like the, the Shadow of Colossus, and again, this is outside the purview of this story. Is like the original sin with which a lot of other there's other lore that comes from this experience, which is really cool. Yeah. Oh, I just want to know more. Mm-hmm. I just want to know some... Oh, it's such a good story. That's what yeah. I love. Yeah, con- concise stories like this are just so good. They're just, there's something so simple but so beautiful about it. I love yeah. that. I yeah. love it so much. Uh, but before... So I think we both agree the story is great. It's a great we story. Like the story a lot. Yeah, great story. Great story. Mm-hmm. 10 out of 10. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it's a good one. I, if you haven't ever played the game, I highly recommend it. It's a, it's a, it's just, it's a great experience. The visuals itself alone like, just really pull you in. Uh, or I think we'll pull you in. So, and the story is great, obviously, because you already heard us tell the story in a great way. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, but hopefully, storygoers, you liked the episode, you enjoyed the, the story, and our amazing voices. You, Ryan, thanks for doing the wander. Of course. Great job. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> thanks for reading <laughs> the other 15 pages. <laughs> no, 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 you're good. It's my story. It's the story I brought. It's good. Yeah. Um, as always, storygoers, thank you so much for listening. Send us your thoughts, feelings, and perspectives to talesfromthecartridge at gmail.com. All the E's or threes. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram. Comment or DM us. Let us know what you think. And we would happily send you a sticker in return because stickers are cool. Put yeah. on your water bottle like me. They're pretty cool. Did you stick <laughs> your stickers on anything yet, Ryan? Uh, so I have some on. I have Yetis and some of them are on the Yetis. But, but they haven't, they haven't cool. found other places yet to live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's cool. I think this looks so good on the on the water bottle. Like, yeah. just like it's so cool. It pops. It's free. They pop so it's well. just a, it, yeah, it makes it pops. And, and and the stickers are free for a free. Uh, well, they, we require a comment, so you're kind of paying with your yeah. words and your perspective. Paying with your perspective. Paying with your perspective. Yeah, yeah. Play with, yeah, pay with your perspective. That's kind of cool. Um, and you get a free sticker, so that's pretty sweet. Two dollars out of our pocket. <laughs> well, not really two dollars, but um, stamps are expensive, though. I hear. I hear, yeah. I hear they're gone. Up. We'll, that doesn't we'll, matter. We'll, we'll get it. We'll get a deal with stamps.com. It'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, a small little button. <laughs> Their yeah. logo that no one clicks on. <laughs> um, 
And if you could, storygoers, if you have the time and, and you feel like it, please leave us a comment and uh, give us five stars on Apple Podcasts if you wouldn't mind. We would really appreciate it. If you uh, want to give us one star, then please don't even bother. You, you have better things to do than to, to, <laughs> to, to, to do something like that. So go do something else. Um, <laughs> next week, I believe, is going to be a bedtime story. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure I know what it's going to be, but I haven't decided on it fully yet. So we'll see. Um, yeah. It should be a good one. It's gonna be a. I think there'll be a. It'll be a classic N sixty four game. Is what oh, I'm. Oh, that's feeling. wonderful. I'm Again, excited for that. That's n- that's not a long adventure like Mario sixty four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was a little too much. But hopefully you guys like Limbo. It's a little bit of a scary yeah. story. Yeah. So it, it did pretty well. So it, it did really well. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, it did um, really well. Yeah. And, it was, and it was fun to make it. So, um, fight a short, concise stories. What? Play it back to this episode. Mm-hmm. Are a lot of fun to do. So. Um, but we hope you're doing well. Hope everyone's safe, and uh, we will see you in the next episode. Bye. Bye. That maiden soul, souls that are one, souls that are once lost cannot be reclaimed. Raise thy sword by the light, the head of, and head to the place where the lights, and head to the place where the light. Oh my god, and head to the place where the sword's light gathers. <laughs> that sound okay? Yeah, I got nothing. I don't know. My throat's dead right now. Just okay. <laughs>